Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. And I'm Tom. We're Team Binge, and we're back. Despite all those angry letters, we're back. We are here to talk about episode four of The Rings of Power. And I want to be specific. Those angry letters weren't directed at The Rings of Power. Those angry letters were directed at Tom and I. So uh, More specifically, you. More specifically, me. But guess what? I don't check my mail, so it doesn't matter. How do I know they exist? Uh, that's a conundrum I'm not going to solve right here and now. But... Thank you for joining us. We are here to talk about The Great Wave, which mm. I'm assuming is about the introduction of what they do at stadiums, where one drunk idiot <laughs> throws his arms up in the air and several other drunk idiots. And then it, like, I think they call it the domino, where the arms just mm -hmm. keep falling. That's what we're here <laughs> to talk about. I was thinking more like political season. It's close to November. You got great waves of politics. I feel like that's where I, my head went. Or a great big wave of water. A great big where this show wave went. of water, which is where this show went <laughs> several times. Can I just also say before we get into it, um, you know what also had big, great big waves? The movie Moonfall. Guys, watch Moonfall. It's great. It's Tom, so dumb, but it's great. <laughs> Tom, our... Um... <laughs> Our recommendations happen at the end of the podcast, and I think you recommended that at the end of the last one. So sure you did. can't double down on Moonfall, which I'm sad to admit I have not watched yet. But it is on the bad movie night list, which I would recommend all people uh, add into their weekly uh, media watching is one night, just do a bad movie night. It's a lot of fun. My wife. Now, and I. before we get into this, I need to ask. <laughs> okay, first off, stop throwing your pen at me. All right, sorry. This is a, enough. Enough's enough. Um, did you watch the previously on? So here's what happened. I started the episode. <laughs> Amazon gave me that little button that says skip the previously on. I clicked it, mm -hmm. and my wife said to me, Are you really going to fast forward past the previously on, considering what happened last episode? <laughs> So I was like, no, of course not. I rewound the episode. I watched the previous on. And then when it got to the intro music, it's like, do you want to skip intro? And I was like, I don't. I was frozen with fear. I was like, I don't know if I have to watch the intro too. So I did watch the previously on, but only because I was forced at gunpoint by my spouse. Listen, it's probably for the best. I don't know if this one had the same sort of like character recreation things that ha would have helped you in this, uh, was it the third episode, but uh, still always recommended, especially for a show this dance. Yeah, this one I knew that Durin and Elrond were the same people from the other episodes, so the previous Leon <laughs> okay. didn't really help me. <laughs> Let's kick this one off, Tom. It starts with royal daycare, with Queen Muriel <laughs> holding all these babies, saying some things to them. Um, I don't know. Was this like an anointing ceremony? Does she take care of all the babies? I don't know what's happening here. But we don't have to wonder long because everything gets wrecked by a real big wave. Yes. And I want to say right off the bat here, because we get a couple different sequences of these, this, I don't know, the white tree of whatever, their, their Valinor gift. This tree's got so many leaves, man. It's like snows in this place when this, uh, this tree's molting. Yeah, they should collect those leaves, crush them up, put them in some sort of lotion, and then sell it. I bet it would be an incredible, like, I don't know, facial cream. But that's just, 
I'm constantly thinking about what I can crush and smear on my face. That's just me. This is a dream <laughs> sequence. As most tragic mm-hmm. things are, this is just a dream. She wakes up and... Tom, how mm-hmm. often do your dreams predict the future about what's going to happen in your life? Is this something that, on a scale of one to a hundred, does it happen a hundred times or zero times <laughs> in your life? I don't know if my dreams are as prophetic. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, this is not this is not what I, I dream about. That was a poor question. Let me ask you a better question. Do you think dreams are important? And this is I'm 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 asking you this seriously. Do you think mm-hmm. dreams are important? I mean, in what sense? I feel like dreams are your subconscious kind of coming out. I don't know if they're important per se, as like you can interpret them to say like, okay, I need to be a better person because of what came from my dream. I feel like it's just your subconscious making sense of what happened in your day. Okay. Okay. Go on. Your your thoughts. Oh, the answer is no, because magic's not real. Uh, We then find (laughs) ourselves on the streets. Uh, We have that beat-up blacksmith who we'll call him Julius Caesar, as you so aptly named him last (laughs) podcast. He's trying to stir up a a rebellion. He's a real... Rabble, 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 rabble. Rabble rouser, that's right. (laughs) Such a rabble rouser. We have Chancellor, we'll just call him the Hare. Chancellor the Hare shows up, <laughs> and he's like, he, uh, he's kissing babies, he's shaking hands, he's talking with his son, and he's telling his son about politicking. He's like, hey, listen, uh, the small things are what's important about politics. And he, son tells him, hey, we've got a little bit of, we've got trouble. That's right, trouble. And then he starts talking about <laughs> the sins of, I don't know, Pocket Pool. I don't remember what they sing about in The Music Man. But it's solved by music. I know that much. What's this guy's name? Uh, I believe it's Art Fetterzon. So I like uh, Chancellor the Hair better because this dude's got a dope beard. It's like uh, peppered. It's it's great. It flows into his, his mane very well. He might as well be a lion. Yeah, he should probably shave both his head and his beard fill pillows with it and sell it along with that uh, leaf facial cream that we're talking about (laughs) and pushing hard. I had a question. One of Julius Caesar's issues that he's shouting at the crowd about is the elves that are coming to take their jobs. And I was like, do elves need jobs? Do do elves like, I know they do them like they have trades and stuff, but I don't mm-hmm. see a lot of like poor elves that aren't making it as like I don't know poetryus. I oh no, poet would be the right <laughs> word. Sorry, there is a word for yeah. someone who writes poetry. That's elvish poetry. Yeah, poetryus. <laughs> I don't know. They don't really get into like the slums of elf village town. Uh, I would assume maybe there is, or just because you live forever, everybody's just nice to everybody. But I get it's like just a generic like. They don't sleep. They don't tire. They don't age. They're gonna take men's jobs. So it's it's like it's, I don't know. He's, he's union busting is what he's doing. Yeah, don't tell that guy about like automation and robots and mechanical stuff. Because <laughs> guess what? That stuff's coming for your jobs too, buddy. Uh, the elves and robots. Next time you walk into a McDonald's, instead of touching one of those screens, it's gonna be an elf back there. Uh, I don't know. That's who knows. <laughs> I love that visual. 
<laughs> like a quiver. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. And then he says something in a language you don't understand because it's the language <laughs> of the Quinintel, or who knows how you pronounce that. His one point is like, hey, the queen is either blind or an elf lover, just like her father. And I thought to myself, Tom, Tom, her dad is the one that I was like, okay, so yeah, we are talking about. So she took over after her father was deposed, and he's the one mm-hmm. that was into elves and robots running local restaurants. But did they mention like he was like banned to the west? Like uh, we do assume that this tower is considered the west, or like just people that believed in his thought were banned to the west. They keep making mention of like Isildur going to the west. I don't really get that. Yeah, no, I don't understand Isildur going to the West. I don't understand the father going to the West. Maybe the bed that he's laying in is called the West. I don't know. Um, <laughs> do you name your bed? I name my bed. My my uh, my bed is called Sweet Sweet Short Death. That's what I call my bed. <laughs> Mine's called Downtown. Downtown. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> did you say Downtown or Never mind. This is a family podcast. Downtown. We can't down no. <laughs> Your British bed. <laughs> so you often turn to your wife and you're like, hey, I'm going to go to Downton. I'm tired. Oh, yep. that's great. I love it. The Chancellor, Chancellor Hare Al Farazun, whatever his name is, breaks up the speech. <laughs> How does he break up the speech? This guy's a politician, Tom. This guy mm, to the core has a bunch of ladies with trays of wine at his he didn't even know this rebellion was happening i want to point this out he did not know it was happening until moments before when his son was like hey we got some rabble rousing happening happening." but this guy is so quick on his feet do you think he just travels with he's like hey we're gonna go meet some people bring the trays and the cups of wine and you 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 and you and you change out that tunic uh, grab your tray. We're going to the <laughs> town square. I feel like he should have like a guy that follows him, and then he like like before he gave the speech, he should have looked at the guy. He's like, okay, all right, guy, go get go get the sure. wine. I'm gonna do this epic speech, and then you come out later. I don't even think they were near like a pub or anything. So this this definitely seemed a little little out there. But appreciate the dude's gamesmanship. I'm assuming it's all poisoned wine, and he just killed all those people in that <laughs> square. The rebellion. He needs to your point. He needs a Tony Hale from Veep. To be in his yes. ear constantly, that would be that would be incredible. I feel uh, like I got other vibes of this. He was like very heavy handed, like literally, like popping out his fingers, like the callus is on my hands or whatever. It gave me a lot of like Dwight Schrute vibes when sure. he's giving his like salesman of the year sure. speech. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. Yeah, the wheel, the blood on the wheels of power, whatever that speech is. <laughs> I do want to note also, and this is probably my only gripe with like the reality of this whole show, is that calluses go away after a while. So unless this guy's <laughs> still doing all those trades, he doesn't have any calluses on his hand. That is my one gripe with the show. Write it down, kids. <laughs> and that dude has a lot of guild badges. He is like number one Boy Scout, right? He like no longer a weeble, a weeble woe. Uh, he became a full... <laughs> Full-grown man Boy Scout, I think, is the term. Well, I don't know. If you look closely, he's missing one specific badge. I think it's the badge for walking elderly across the street, because I'm pretty sure this is just a grown-up kid from Up. A grown-up boy from Up. Oh, <laughs> yep, man. Yep. 
Every morning I watch the first five minutes of Up just to destroy, just to destroy myself. <laughs> the kids walk in. They're like, why are you weeping? Yeah, because it's Up, kids. It's Up. From there we go to The Queen, Galadriel, Ellen Deal. Uh, my favorite part of this speech, they're going back and forth. The Queen's like, hey, you know, you've done quite a bit in your short visit here. And Galadriel is talking about Halbrand, like, hey, he's not just some handsome fella on a raft. He's probably the heir of the king of the Southlands, which is not Decepticon. Real. Yeah, or Decepticon. <laughs> more than meets the eye. The more than meets the eye of Sauron. Oh, Sauron. <laughs> oh yeah you're welcome the um you threw me off my game by bringing up our theme song (laughs) my favorite part in this conversation is she mentioned some comment about like oh and maybe ellen deals some like great like something and he like to Mm -hmm. himself is like i'm just actually a petty lord and he like chuckles to himself (laughs) i was like oh that was that was pretty funny because as the audience, we know what he becomes, but it's great mm-hmm. that he just does yeah. that little aside for him. Galadriel very adamantly is like, hey, Numenor, let's go fight together against Sauron because I've been super cool to you guys and I haven't made anyone <laughs> mad and you guys should come join me in this weird thing that the only evidence I have is happening is that weird souvenir shop burnt wood token that turned out to be a map please come join me and what does the queen say tom queen says thanks but no thanks thanks. like she gives a little bit of an indication like maybe kind of a thing like oh i take a lot of people ask me questions and this by far is the most bold so i think it kind of sets it up for what we get later that she's not completely dismissive but feels she has a greater duty to her people yep during this conversation, the queen's like, I don't care if Halbrand's a king or a carpenter. And I was like, oh, I only know of one king and carpenter, and his name is Jesus. So now I'm starting to think that maybe Halbrand is Jesus. And I got news for Halbrand. It doesn't end well, buddy. Um, there's about three days there where it sucks real, real bad. Anyways, Gladriel's like, hey, you know what? I don't think you're the most important person I can be talking to. And mm. they're also like, oh, you mean Halbrand Jesus? She's like, no, not Jesus. I would like to talk to your dad. So she's going over the queen's head, and it's classic. And this is where mm-hmm. we get the, there is a tempest in me, which the preview played a lot and like played it too like great like it's a cool line like she delivers it mm-hmm. so well once again galadriel um galadriel ford whatever her actress name is Mor- morgoth ford morfried morfried clark yeah morgoth ford um <laughs> she is great in this role and this is where she delivers there there's a tempest in me i wanted more from it in this scene like i thought we were going to mm-hmm. get a little bit more uh i didn't i'll be honest i don't know what tempest means or meant so i had to look it up tempest is a violent windy storm so if anybody else is dumb like me and didn't know what that means there you go having read books which kind of makes sense right it's it's apt uh since there is a violent windy storm wave thing coming at them sure i think you're mixing tsunami and tempest (laughs) but no that's that's a hurricane As some or a typhoon, depending on which hemisphere. Boom. Um, 
she, science. <laughs> science. <laughs> or how brand is Jesus? You get to choose. <laughs> the best part of this conversation is where she calls Queen Muriel regent, and she says it with such disdain. She's like, regent? Like, you're like, oh, like, uh, not real queen. Assistant to the regional yeah, king. Assistant to the regional <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a great way to put it. Assistant to the regional queen. And then, I don't know if we get a hard cut. I think we kind of do. And it's like, Gladriel's in jail <laughs> next to Halbrand. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. fun. We cut to the seas. Isildur's on a boat. And then, guess what? Isildur's not on a boat. You're off the sea guard. You are the weakest link. Uh, oh, by the way, these guys that had nothing to do with it but are your buddies, they're done too. It was silly. Like, it's just, it's a narrative thing, I'm assuming, just so they can have him be, I guess, drag his buddies down with him. But there's no reason that his buddies should be going down for this because he's clearly the weakest link. Right. I think, as we see at the end of this episode, it's so that all of them can volunteer for the expeditionary mm-hmm. force to go fight World War One. There is a point, though, where, like, the buddies are, like, confronting him in the alleyway and yelling at him. And I do appreciate that one of the guys, like, kicks a bucket in anger, which reminded me of Aragorn kicking the helmet and breaking his toes. And I'm pretty sure this cat did it in sandals, so I'm hopeful that this guy didn't hurt himself. And they actually used a, a good, soft, cushiony prop helmet and not some... uh I cast iron one that Aragorn hit. Sure, sure. I'm sure it was ad libbed. The prop guys are like, oh, "We've got these pops, ma- these pots made out of concrete. We're just going to put these here as set dressing." And then that actor <laughs> was like, "Give me my Emmy," and he kicked it. <laughs> they did bring up the Silder's dead mother out of I. I don't know what the football term is. I'm just going to say it came out of left field, where he was like, <laughs> "And you're always." talking about your dead mother or your like it was weird is that what he's dreaming about is like when he looks at the island and like hears a voice are we supposed to understand that's his mother like speaking to him in some form or fashion no not unless he's moana and his mother is whatever that island spirit <laughs> in moana is no as a I, grandma um <laughs> no i did not understand this it was like maybe the show was like oh at some point we should mention what happened to the mom like i i, I mean Mm-hmm. I kind of assumed since she didn't attend any of the family meetings where the dad yelled at all the kids, uh, she wasn't around anymore. Which brings me to our family had a little family meeting uh, this weekend in which the dad yelled at all the kids, and I could only laugh about how uh, I was. Wait, were com- you the dad? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was a family meeting, and rules are rules. So I had to yell. <laughs> We cut to Arendir, and I believe this is the scene where there's like an orc dying on the ground, and Mm -hmm. all the other orcs are kind of standing around. And I thought to myself, are orcs just misunderstood? You know, they care about their buddy. He seems to be, you know, he's he's looking at that long tunnel with the light at the end. Uh, Adar shows up and Adar administers first aid in the best way that Adar could administer first aid, which is, I'm assuming, a knife through the lungs. Uh, but I, uh, I don't know. I was a little bit, I was a little bit uh, confused about the humanity they showed us with the orcs. Like the orcs are like saying special words, although it's in the dark tongue. Uh, but they, 
or the black language, whatever they call it in the subtitles. The um, Listen, just because orcs are bad guys doesn't mean they're bad guys, okay? Some can be, some can be nice. And I'm pretty sure this was the uh, orc that was tree-stabbed. So, you know, he's got a little oh, bit of mother front and through. Oh. oh, so this is kind of like what we talked about on the other ones, where you think some of these orcs are just here for, like, the benefits and the retirement, like they need medical sure. insurance. Oh, yeah. So they're just like... Those dope it's just helmets. A, it's yeah. just a job for them. You know, they get three square meals a day <laughs> and a pension. Yeah, they're the coming end. for men's jobs. <laughs> well, they're dark jobs. No, like, that's, you know, that's under the, roofs. That's the elves. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's not get him confused. Well, I mean, you could argue the orcs are trying to, like, kind of enslave humanity. So, I mean, technically, they're going for not their jobs. That's fair. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much I would spend time in a McDonald's if the orc was the guy (laughs) giving me my two hot and spicies for now $3. They used to be a dollar a piece. McDonald's, (laughs) fix that, please. I am not loving it. (laughs) I'm not loving it. The big bad shows up. He talks with Aaron Deer. The dude is haunted. Um, all, that's all I can yeah, say. This haunted. Adar, mm-hmm. he's haunted. Uh, if I if was... using Wedding Crashers, he'd have the haunted past backstory. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, I wanted to throw myself at him. I feel like I could fix this guy, Tom. If he would <laughs> just give me the chance, I feel like I could, I could fix him. I could bring him home to my parents. The orcs <laughs> call him father... And Aaron Deer talks about this with him. This guy, uh, this actor plays this role really well, but now I'm a little bit concerned whether or not this is actually Sauron or if this is someone who's not Sauron, I guess. I misdirect, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, because they like make mention, like when he first, not make mention, but they, they call it out where he first walks in, he kind of has his hair tucked back to be able to tell that he's seemingly of elf descent. Cause he has kind of like the same pointy years as Aaron Deer here. Are we to assume, and he's going by an elf name. Um, they're referring to him as father. Like, is that supposed to tell us that he is an elf? That is kind of, that's a good point because he also asks Aaron Deer where he's from and Aaron Deer tells yeah, him he and knew. he's like, Oh, I've been there. I once made a paper boat and it floated down the river. And he's like, Hey, do you know why a rock sinks and a boat floats? <laughs> and Aaron Deer's like, uh, well, it probably has to do with like density and something being uh, less <laughs> dense than water. And that's when Ardar, uh, Adar, Adar, Ardar, whatever his name is, <laughs> got really mad. And he's like, the lies that need to be untold about like who I am and what I'm doing would require a new world to be created. And that would take a god. And I am not a god. Not yet. No, 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 no. There's a longer pause. Let me... I'll do the whole line (laughs) again. I'll do the whole line again. (laughs) And I am no god. Not yet. Was that too long? (laughs) Let me go again. I'll go again. No, I'm... I don't know what this guy's... I don't know what this guy's deal is. My my issue is, like, the orcs call him father in Elvish. Well, Morgoth is the guy that created orcs and evil. And so even if Sauron, I mean, I guess Sauron could go by that name, but Morgoth's the guy that, according to the lore, created him. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, and I think even Aaron Deere, Aaron Deere asked him, like, why do they call you father? And, of course, instead of answering and giving the audience a little bit more, like, he pretty much kind of brushes it aside so 
I I do think there's more to it. I do think they're doing something to try to misdirect, and this will not be Sauron. Because again, even in the previously on, they make a another mention of uh, Rivian, um, kind of the old tower captain before his departure. Him saying that you know perhaps this is one of his uh, Sauron's many names. Right. Again, throwing the perhaps right right at us. Right. Which is confusing because like an original Tolkien. Uh, Adar does not stand for father. It stands for daddy. <laughs> the orc daddy? Orc daddy, yeah. It's weird. Um, <laughs> please trademark that and make t-shirts. Orc daddy. <laughs> In the end, Aaron Deer, who's made a lot of trouble for these people, um, doesn't seem to get any repercussions. He's just like, hey, I need you to take a message to the men in the tower, which could have been done by an email. I don't know. Uh, but he sends Arendir away. And this is where we cut to Bronwyn just trying to keep all the refugees together in the tower. We find out mm-hmm. there's a bit of a food shortage. Uh, they didn't have a lot of time to gather all the potatoes uh, for the... Uh, <laughs> just for five. The, just five. <laughs> and I felt like in a situation like this where there's a bunch of refugees in a tower... What they need to do is get a bunch of celebrities to sing a song. That's what I needed right here. I needed a bunch of people that are super rich and super like removed to sing a song and put it on the internet. And that probably would have solved all of these refugees' problems, or they would have just been slaughtered to a man by orcs. Who knows? But at least we would have gotten a cool song. <laughs> this is a picture of them all in studio holding the headphones against their ears and in boom mics it's it's great hey it fixed the pandemic right theo wants to help (sighs) he then sneaks into the village with a friend the friend has a name it's like cowan is something does that sound right they uh they go searching for food but instead they find trouble there's trouble trouble and it's t-r-o I should really watch the Music Man if I'm going to make Music Man references. (laughs) They get in trouble because the cloud goes over the sun and everyone knows that orcs only attack when there's no sunlight. Yeah, and I appreciate the fact that the friend is out there um, because he's got a wheelbarrow full of food. And, you know, Theo's like, oh, I got to go get this one more bag of grain in the pub, which, again, silly. But... The friend doesn't even say, hey, dude, the sun's getting covered. We should probably leave. Just takes off. Yep. Just takes off. Not a good, not a good wingman. No warning, no nothing. I give him credit. He took the wheelbarrow. I thought he was going to leave the wheelbarrow and just run back, but at least he took some food back. And mm-hmm. one person pushing a wheelbarrow full of all those potatoes, it's got to be, got to <laughs> be difficult. We do cut to that kind of horror type style that they mm-hmm. did in, in the last episode which i enjoyed so this is theo like thinking he's alone and then like a door closes and we've got some cool lighting mm-hmm. and shadow and then all of a sudden there's an orc which is a lot of fun the orc obviously has to cut theo and then lick the blood off the blade and say something about <laughs> tasty little humans in which we then of course get theo stabbing himself with the hilt of a sword which causes it to grow and I was super confused. I don't understand the sword. It's like if you had a lightsaber that you had to stab into your skin in order to make the laser go out. Well, actually, that's part of Spaceballs. So never mind. I guess it does make more sense now. 
because he did this earlier right where like he had a cut on his hand and then the blood trickled up and it like started i like the effect they do for the sword where it's kind of like smoke oh, it looks and flame cool. and then yeah, it just yeah. starts yeah kind of adding but yeah i don't get the idea of you have to feed the sword every time is at a certain point if you feed the sword enough blood then it just becomes a sword is it always a hilt I don't, I don't know if I understand the sword. I understand where you're coming from. My other question is, you know, is it just blood? What other bodily fluids will cause the sword to <laughs> uh, turn into flame or whatever? I don't know. These are the questions I don't want to ask, but I'm going to because we're journalists. Somebody needs to. Someone needs to. Um, you guys can find me on Fox News tonight talking about what is happening. Anyways... He also jumps in the well, and my thought was, where does the sword go in the well? Did it, like, does it, as soon as he, like, stops feeding it blood, does it shrink back down? <laughs> he apparently has some sort of very good, he's just wearing, like, a potato sack, seemingly. He must be wearing something underneath his little cloak that he's got that keeps that sword very secure. Like, running through the woods later on, very secure. It's a, it's a good sword. It's a... It's a sword that I don't understand, and I also think that if you were fighting someone and every time they had to stab themselves in order for their (laughs) weapon to come out, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to let you do that a couple more times, and then you're probably just going to be too weak to do anything, and I'll let you fall (laughs) over. Like, I don't know. He then hides in the well. Everyone loves a good well He jumps in the well, yeah, and then what? Like, the bucket falls, he makes a noise... And then, you know, they, they get a cool shot here. I like how the orc comes back over to the well, looks in. He's like, okay, the kid's got to be here. Instead of the orc maybe waiting there for, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds. I mean, what else is he doing to see if there is somebody that's going to pop out of the water? He leaves. But I feel like the comical thing of uh, Theo getting out of the water, like splashing out of the water sure. and screaming. Ugh. I'm like, dude, like, you know, you got to be like a Navy SEAL. You got to kind of slowly pop up out of that water and sure. make just not a sound. Not sure. a sound. Just like a Navy SEAL hiding in a well mm-hmm. from orcs. Exactly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We then go from there to Elf Town. Which you wrote in the outline, and I don't know what it's called. Uh, Linden, is this Linden? Arion, isn't it? Arion, Arion, is that right? I thought it was Linden. Isn't it sound like you're from Linden? Oh, sure. I don't know. You can write us at teambingepodcast.com. We won't read them though. Not that <laughs> one. Put in, put in the subject line a uh, proper pronunciation of Elf Town, so we know not to read them. Um, mm-hmm. The elves and dwarves are building a tower. Did this kind of jump out to you? Like, this seemed very quick. Like, is, is there a time jump or anything here? Like, the events that are happening in other stuff seems to be, like, okay, episode after episode. But for them to have, like, half this massive tower that's apparently this big project between elves and dwarves to be halfway done seems aggressive. 
Yeah, I would argue the time is moving differently with the elves and dwarves storyline as it is with Bronwyn, Arendir, and Galadriel, who we know we've got a three-day timeline on. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, this, this, I mean, the dwarves are just good at tower work, you know? (laughs) Celebrimbor lets us know that he knew Elrond's father. What's going on here? There's a moment here where Kellen is like, oh, I can't believe I, I didn't remember this until this moment. And I'm like, what what kind of weirdness is happening? It is a little bit weird where he kind of says, like, the future is in your son's hands. And whatever this moment was reminded him of it. And it's supposed to be like the idea of that, like, Elrond's important to the creating of the rings. Never got that from the original movies or anything like, he's clearly helping Kellen Brimbor with this, but is the idea that Kellen Brimbor couldn't do this without Elrond, and there's some sort of prophecy in Elrond's father? It was it was weird. I don't know. I feel like Kellen Brimbor is playing some sort of game that we don't understand. Because he just, there's certain things he says that, like, and even the actor that plays him, I just, he's he's a sneaky sneak. I can just tell, so... <laughs> I don't know. Something's Is there going anything? On there. I guess I don't. I don't, I don't know the lore of Kellen here. Brimbor. I can't. I can't. I was going to say. Is, okay. He's not like corrupted by anything to make these rings as part of whatever. Because let's just step back here a little bit. So the idea of all these rings is like nobody knew that these rings were all potentially all being controlled by a single ring, right? They were all kind of yes. duped into it. Yes. Okay. That's okay. correct. So there's nobody that was in the know. Okay. Just want to make sure. Level setting. No, that's good. That's a good question to bring us all back. Speaking of hiding something, is Durin hiding something? That's what's also brought up mm. during this conversation. And I was like, what's going on here? So then <laughs> Elrond shows up at Durin's house. The kids are playing some knocking game, which I didn't realize what they say in the background is what then he says when he knocks on the mine later on in the episode. That's what the, mm-hmm. what the kids are doing, and so that's why he quotes that line to the rocks. Elrond. Oh wait a minute! Wait a minute! You're saying when Elrond like opens up the fancy door? Like, yeah, when like he opens up the fancy door, 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 what he what he is? I'm pretty sure the thing that he quotes and what he says is what the kids are saying when they're playing the knocking game. Oh, okay, that makes more sense because I was super weirded out about that whole thing. Like, where did Elrond get this? I didn't get that at all. I even had subtitles on, and I didn't get that. Yeah, no, I think I caught it on the second watch, and really, my brain could be just making it up right now. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I, the great thing about this is I'm never wrong, so uh, <laughs> and no one can tell me differently. Truth is, uh, truth is what it's my truth, Tom. My truth says I'm right, <laughs> uh, and I'm speaking it right now. The kids, uh, yeah, so Elrond starts to pry with Disa about Durin's secret, and... Disa's great in this, right? Yeah. Like, she's just awesome. Like, the great immediate, like, deflection of answering all of Elrond's kind of quotes about, oh, why does he have his hammers? Why are you making this dinner? And she's great. Love love the actress. Yep, she does great. And we want to believe that she's being truthful, but it turns out she's being a sneaky sneak, too, because Elrond later <laughs> uses his super hearing to listen to their conversation which they're having on one of the many bridges over the many caverns is it super hearing or super lip reading i got a sense maybe it was a little combo of both but you know what i didn't need here is i didn't need like the cut back to elrond 
making this out and then slowly panning down to his lips as close as you possibly could be. And then him just saying like, oh, it's this old mine. That's where he is going. Um, you know, I, I think really Duran needs to have like one of those little like play sheet cards that he can hold in front of his mouth. Sure. Like an NFL coach. Yeah. Like an NFL coach. That's great. <laughs> or just put his beard. Take your beard, put it above your mouth when you're talking about, you know, secret stuff and you, people wouldn't catch this. Sure. And then a second person that follows behind him so that if he ever gets too far onto the field while shouting at a referee, that guy pulls him back. <laughs> that's that whole, that's that exactly. guy's whole job. Um, well, I think what this is is a callback to when Elrond was Doogie Hauser. They did this a lot where he would like hear <laughs> the diagnosis of something and the camera would go in on his face and he'd be like, oh, it's sarcoidosis. And then they'd go to his lips and he'd be like, it's never sarcoidosis. That's house. <sighs> House is such a good show. Anyways, <laughs> speaking of good shows, he goes and he finds this mine. He uses the secret knock. Once again, I'm pretty sure it, he uses the thing that he heard the kids doing. Durin shows up and finds out that he's being a sneaky sneak. Uh, he then <laughs> is like, oh, I'll tell you what's going on here, but you have to swear to secrecy. Did you get the idea here, like this very ominous scene about swearing to secrecy, pop your hand on the mountain, this is an oath you can't break, blah, blah, blah. Like he's going to break the oath, right? Like I feel like this is a show thing where they make it a very like hard fought thing or else why do this if he's not going to potentially break it in some form or fashion? Or is the idea just to say, you know, these are friends, they have such a deep bond, we need this. I don't know if we did. No, I think what happens here is you're seeing like Durin despite looking like a grown-up he's a young dwarf he's like a young prince dwarf and he makes the classic mistake of he doesn't make elrond show him his hands to make sure he, that he's not crossing any of his fingers he doesn't make him take off his shoes to make sure he's not crossing any of his toes he just i mean clearly elrond has got something crossed i mean there's other things you can check but once again this is a family-friendly show so we won't go into it uh, but yes, I did not get the sense that despite these people have been friends for, I don't know, 800 years, I do get the sense that they are working for different teams. And so an oath doesn't mm -hmm. mean a whole lot. But this is where we find out what they've been mining in secret. And the show's got to do this thing where like he pronounces it one way and Elrond's like, <laughs> no, no, we would call it Mithril. And Durin's like, dun, dun, dun. Durin's like, oh, this would change our world. And I was like, I, okay, cool. Uh, it's I not mean, plutonium, it's guys. Come on. <laughs> Call me when you find plutonium and you can smoke a whole country. I mean, because, yeah, he just mentions it's really more for armor and weapons and things like that. I mean, you know, probably some other resources or, or ways to use said resource. But, of course, this is a call to the fancy armor worn by Bilbo and Frodo through the Lord of the Rings series that saves them both um, more than once. Sure. It's as as light as silk and as strong as, I don't know, insert something. It's <laughs> it's the exact same speech that Nicolas Cage gives in The Rock when he's talking about VX, VX gas. It's just super, <laughs> super effective. We find out that it's, a very, it's very perilous to mine and that his father has restricted their efforts. And mm -hmm. uh, not going to lie, father might be right, because uh, I think as he speaks the sentence, there's a cave in <laughs> and four dwarves get trapped. Yeah. I feel like before this, though, he he hands him after doing all the secrecy stuff, 
He hands it to Elrond. Elrond like explores this little bit of Mithril here, and he goes to hand it back, and he's like, "Oh, just keep it, like as a token of their friendship," is what he says. Like, are you really letting him keep this this mineral that nobody knows exists, and you're just giving it to an elf that you just told to not tell anybody about this exact substance? Like, what do you want him to do with it? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. He also doesn't even know what Elrond's house setup is. Like, if he puts that crystal in his house. Like, what kind of energy is that going to put off into the into the house? Like, crystals in certain rooms do different things. You know this, Tom. I don't have to explain this of to course. you. You're a man of crystal science. I'm a man of crystal science. Uh, you guys can find our Team Binge Crystals um, at teambingecrystals.com. Um, clever name we came up with. <laughs> it's all about name recognition, Tom. You know this. You're a You're a crystal marketing guy. Um, anyways, at this, <laughs> at this point, I'm with you. I didn't understand this. Uh, I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to do it, Tom. I, I'm, I'm still enjoying it. Uh, but, but I'm well, with like, you. Is, is, is the mithril going to become something more? Does this go into the more? ring? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, does... I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> mithril being something that's spoken about in the ring. I, I, I don't, I don't know. But I do know that, that four dwarves, four dwarves with families... And uh, a lot of future ahead of them are suddenly caught in a cave-in. And what's interesting is there's going to be a Ron Howard movie about these four dwarves and how they survived the <laughs> cave-in. Uh, it's going to be dramatic. It's going to be great. And they actually... Here's the crazy thing. Is he got the actual dwarves to star in the movie about themselves wow. surviving the cave-in. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Pull a wow. little bit of a Must Clint, be great actors. A little bit of a Clint Eastwood right there. <laughs> Whew. All right. Then we go to Numenor, where Arya... You say her name. You're much better at this than I am. What is what is her name? Arian. Oh, goodness. I'm not going to attempt it. And, <laughs> and I can pronounce this guy's name. Cancellor's son. Cancellor's son... <laughs> And oh, Chancellor, the Chancellor's son. I don't even know his name. Treebeard. Treebeard. Tree what? It's called Treebeard. He's got a good beard. Kind of looks like Treebeards. That's the Chancellor. Oh, what did you call the Chancellor in the beginning of the pod? Oh, Chancellor. Chancellor Hare is different chancellor than. Hare. Okay, this is Chancellor. This is Chancellor son. Hare's son, son pre-hair, who looks like one of the characters from Silicon Valley a little bit. I don't know if you know which character <laughs> I'm talking about, but that's who this actor reminds me of. And just like that, we got a love story. And this is all I care about at this point, Tom. Give me, this is a plot line right here. Aaron Nierin <laughs> right and Kanzler's son <laughs> falling in love in Numenor. Give it to me. It's a Ron Howard production. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't care for this. I'm sure it'll have... <laughs> Have something to do with something later on. I'm like, I don't, I don't need this. We don't, we don't need this little like young love story going on here. All right, perfect. You heard it here. Tom <laughs> doesn't care about love. All right, hates uh, young lovers. Hates young lovers. <laughs> <laughs> hates stories about love. Give us more stories about a magic rock, magic crystals. All right, Gladriel. She's gonna get an escort off the island. Halbrand, is this where they're in jail and Halbrand's making the suggestions mm-hmm. where he's like, listen, you did all these other things. You like spit on a rope. You called everyone in the 
area fat, but she didn't throw <laughs> you in jail until this moment. Like, what did you bring up that really got? And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, I mentioned her king, old dad king. And he's like, well, see, now you know your enemy's weakness and you could exploit it. Then the chancellor shows up and he's like, hey, we're taking you back to Elf Island. And Galadriel <laughs> does some like cool John Wick karate stuff and puts the all the guards in the cell. <laughs> and the best part is the chancellor like is pulling a sword and Halbrand's like, uh-uh-uh, I wouldn't do <laughs> that. Idea. Yeah, so um, a lot happened in this scene and... I don't know. I don't know. Gladriel's not making friends, which is fine, I guess. I don't know. She does at the end of the episode. Somehow she somehow she manages. The name of her uh, autobiography. Somehow I manage. Gladriel. <laughs> <laughs> the Michael Scott story. <laughs> somehow I a lot of office references tonight. <laughs> it's fine. It's a great show. I do like the back and forth, though, that Galadriel and uh, Hallbrand kind of have. Oh, yeah. Hallbrand, like, calling her out. Like, listen, you've been an idiot. Like, you are not a, like, positioning yourself where all you did was, like, you know, crap on these people as opposed to, like, trying to be diplomatic. So, like, what do you expect? And he called right. her out, which I appreciated. Yeah, no, it's a good it's a good time. But when the two of them, I mean, speaking of love interests that we care about, the two of them are together. The chemistry is just off the mithril <laughs> charts. <laughs> we go from there to Isildur. He has to tell his dad that he gets that he got kicked out of school. And there's another thing where they bring up that he wants to go west. And I'm with you. I thought Numenor was the west or the most west. I did not understand this. If you guys have the mm-hmm. answer and you feel like we're going to care, you can write us at teambingepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> But if it's like some heavy lore stuff, whew, I don't know if we're ready for it. Galadriel goes on up to the King Tower. She does some cool, mm-hmm. I'm assuming climbing. They don't show it to us. They just show us arri- show her arriving. and Breaking a window. Yeah, we find out this guy's name is Tar Palantir. And a Palantir is those seeing bowling balls. So I was kind of like, did this guy make the palantir they named after him why does he why does he share a name with uh the uh i don't know his parents were just big fans oh just big fans his parents were big bowling fans uh they really liked it they touched a palantir or two in their day uh they didn't touch the one that has a tsunami they touched the one that has turkeys right right i'm with you i um was astonished to find that queen muriel was there just astonished. Just hanging out. That she caught her there. Galadriel talks to her about wanting honesty and, like, why are they not still loyal to the elves? And the queen talks about her father wanting to repent and turn to the old waves and be elf friends again, and the people rebe- rebelled. And then they touch the magic bowling ball. And we see Galadriel gets to see all the uh, facial cream leaves flying around. And then the wave dream (laughs) hits her. And is this show just trying to continue to warn me about global warming? Is that what's happening here, Tom? Is this this their sneaky way of trying to Al Gore me, I like Mm -hmm. to call it? (laughs) 
Yeah, they're definitely goring us right here. So much goring. Melting ice caps. Yep, all these happens, waves. Man. The trees are dying. Next thing they're going <laughs> to tell me, all those... Well, the waves aren't going to die because the Star Trek guys solved that. But I don't really understand the arguing that's happening between these two. And there are some cool lines that happen here where Galadriel's like, choose faith, not fear. Fight beside the elves once more. And the ladies like, and, and Queen Muriel's like, well, that's not really how you run a nation. So faith is not a... <laughs> It's not like evidence that I can go off of. I don't know. I, I I don't know what's happening at this point. They were arguing, and I just wish Halbrand they're kind was of there. Doing, yeah, they're doing this arguing that's like back and forth. Like they're both kind of saying the same things from different directions kind of a deal. It's giving us that... that like run away for her for the queen to be able to kind of like draw back like hey i'm not gonna do it but if there's enough prophecy like right in my face which is what happens here at the end then she would still potentially follow her father's you know kind of line of thinking and, and get back to the old ways uh, but i do think it's worth mentioning we make, make fun of little palantir the little bowling ball but obviously that is a a callback to the movies where we have saruman who has that um I'm assuming it's not the same one, right? Because they mentioned there's what seven of these seeing stones. Yeah, she be... mentioned seven, and the like. Those some are unaccounted for, but I think that's like the same line from Lord of the Rings, where he's like, some mm-hmm. of these are not accounted accounted for. But I'm pretty sure like uh, Sauron has one. Sauron must have one because he can talk through it to Sauron. That's the only way those guys are communicating. They don't have LTE, so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is the same one, but um, never a good thing. Oh, you know what? There's a Palantir with uh, with Galadriel in because that's what she pours water on, isn't it? When he looks into it, doesn't that have to do with the Palantir, or am I just making that all up? That when he good pours the water, remember the they pour the water in, and Frodo looks into the water. No, that doesn't. Are have all Palantirs good? not? Are all Palantirs not bowling balls? I thought they are all bowling balls. Well, I thought the bowling ball was like in the bowl of water, but now that Listen, I'm... Listen, this is not where we're here. Now this that is I'm not saying it out loud, I'm Let's... realizing <laughs> that I'm completely right because it's my truth and I'm speaking it. All right, moving on. Bronwyn. She is back in the town. Rowan, the friend, returns. And he's like, oh, Theo said he was going to be right behind me. And he told me to bring all these delicious <laughs> foods in this cart. And he's safe, and everything's all good, and I'm a hero. And all the people are like, yay. (laughs) And then we cut to Theo in the well. Theo is not only in the well, but he's also in the danger. Yeah, this to your point earlier, this kind of cuts back into the kind of horror kind of deal where he's just finding cover, and every time he finds cover, a different orc kind of pops out and, and all that. I do appreciate at one point he, like, literally stumbles into, like, tall grass, which just reminded me, like, a video game sequence where if you're in tall grass and you don't move, you're completely hidden from the enemy. They yep. can't see you. Yep. Which, I mean, they could clearly probably see you, but I, I thought that was funny. Nope. As Jurassic Park told us, stay in the tall grass. <laughs> Aaron Deer saves Theo. He's about to be, I don't know, bit by an orc. And Aaron Deer dispatches said orc. There's a pretty cool running through the woods chase scene that happens here. I don't know who mm-hmm. like directed this, but they're like, hey, we're going to slow it down. We're going to make it super dark. And oh, drop that blue 
cellophane thing in front of the lens of the camera to make this uh, a blue <laughs> hue. Uh, but it's super cool. We see Aaron Deer do the arrow catch, and then he shoots the same arrow. Which, yeah, I mean, it's still a little wrist protection. It kind of like had flashbacks for me. It should. He's have. got something on his wrist, but not not nearly not enough. enough. Not enough. <laughs> not enough to protect old St- Tom from the old string bite, whatever it's called. <laughs> they run. But I like the- that sequence too. It was very cool. Yeah, it was super cool to watch. They run all the way out into the clearing. They turn. Bronwyn's there. She's got a cool like harvesting weapon, we'll say. But who comes out? Our old friend, the sun. Comes out and saves them. <laughs> I mean, that had some really cool score kind of going over this, yep. but it would have been cool if it was just like, uh, you know, the Beatles, here comes the sun, do, 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 do. I feel like that would have really, really sold it for me. I'm unfamiliar with that song, but I'm <laughs> glad they stuck with Bear McCreary's uh, music and not whoever the Beatles are. <laughs> Is that what you said? Beatles? Um, mm-hmm. But I do. I, I very much like this scene where they kind of transitioned out of the forest. They they get out. I don't know why they just stop there and look. I mean, sure, you can assume that these orcs don't like light and they may stop, but I wouldn't hope that they would. And they have bow and arrows. As they literally like start walking eventually away, you do see some arrows kind of fall at their feet uh, because I think they kind of realize like, hey, the audience is going to be asking the same question, so we'll show a couple arrows heading their direction. Like they couldn't reach them, but. Clearly, an arrow could go that far. Yeah, no, I just think the orcs forgot sunscreen, and no one wants skin cancer, so... You know what they need, man? What do they, they need? need? some of that sweet, sweet white white leaf cream. White leaf cream, yes. Actually, so, <laughs> so the SPF version of the White Tree of Numenor lotion is not going to be out until next summer. So, oh, um, okay. you guys stay with <laughs> us. Uh, you can look at that product at Team Binge. Crystalsandlotions.com. <laughs> um, we then cut to the mines. Uh, Disa can sing, right? Disa, Disa's oh, just yeah, uh, singing to those rocks. She's crushing it. Now, I did see something that this is the actress's real voice, um, which is just fantastic. Sure. And I think she was also involved in like the composing of the song and kind of chant that she does. Oh, really, really cool. They even do something like at the very end of the sequence where you can see the like, I don't know, like the rocks or like the dust of the rocks kind of like seep back into the mountain. Like it really does have some sort of like, you know, the dwarves and this this residence thing I think they mentioned in one of the early episodes. Uh, I liked, I really liked this sequence. Sure, sure. Yeah, the same person who, the same actress who sings in this episode is the one on our previous podcast who sang the Transformers theme song. Very similar (laughs) voices, those two. (laughs) She's singing to the rocks to release the miners, which, as I look at our outline, I realize I spelled miners wrong. <laughs> These are miners kids. that are they're, they're, not they're tiny miners, they're not kid miners. of the age. Anyways, not adults. There turns out they're all alive. The dwarf king we find out from Durin has decided to seal up the mithril vein and not to mine there anymore. And Durin gets mad at his daddy, and Elrond <laughs> hopes that... Oh, Elrond tells the story about his dad as like a famous elf that uh, seems to have been rewarded by, I don't know, carrying a star across the sky every day? I don't know. Uh, but he tries to relate how he is 
no longer able to talk to his dad, so he hopes he's proud and that it's better to have a crappy dad than no dad. And the fact that they didn't use the word daddy at all uh, bothered me during this conversation (laughs) because that would have made it super weird and fun. Yeah, I like the sentiment of what he's kind of doing here. Like, hey, like your dad's still here. My dad's not. Don't waste any time with him. And and that's fair. But I agree. The way he went about it was like super weird. Is is the idea that like, okay, Alra's dad went to Valinor or I don't know, maybe went to Valinor plus because he got to be a star up in the sky. That's the idea, right? Yeah, that's what he says. But you're asking a guy that is still trudging through the Silmarillion. So... I'm hoping to have it done by episode nine. That's my goal. <laughs> episode nine of the show. It's more fun not knowing at all. I like just yes. guessing. No, it's great being blind and in the dark about all this stuff. Because to be honest, I don't think the show cares. So I don't know either. <laughs> uh, this story, <laughs> here's, here's where I kind of, I'm like, oh, uh, this is one of those people where... <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say. But as much as possible, if you can tell a story about yourself in a situation, that's what Elrond's doing here. Elrond's like, listen, yeah. I know you're going through something right now, but let me tell you a little bit about me. Um, actually, <laughs> I thought the same thing. When he first started talking, he's like, not only did he start talking about himself, he starts talking about like how awesome his dad was. Right. It's like, he's screaming about his dad being the worst and not listening to him, and now he's saying, man, that stinks for you, because my dad was awesome. He's yeah. a star now, super cool. Yeah. yeah. Your daddy's a crap pitch. daddy, but my daddy's a star daddy, and that's what you need <laughs> to know. Uh, we cut from there. My nickname in college. <laughs> star daddy. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. We were very proud of you. Uh, went to all your shows. Uh, Durin and his Durin and his daddy uh, have a conversation from here. Surprise, surprise! Durin's dad's proud of him, and he's like, "Listen, they talk about how when dwarf kings become kings, all their ancestors talk to him. Well, guess what? I'm not dead, and there's nothing to forgive, and I'm proud of you." Oh, by the way, I need you to go be a sneaky sneak and find out what they're doing in <laughs> Linden. And the oh oh oh, I wanted to talk about these. The actor that plays his dad is someone who I like. His voice is very recognizable. Do you know who that guy is? Do you have a relationship with I, that actor? I'm sorry. I that's do. Uh, let like me I've rephrase that. Do you know that actor from other things? <laughs> There's a lot in the news about <laughs> actors and famous people having relationships with, with us common folk. I don't want to go into that. Um, so, like, do you recognize that guy? I I feel like he's been on a handful of things recently. The, the most recent thing I recognize him from is Westworld. And I know Westworld has kind of, like, fallen on on hard times. Like, their audience has just been crushed with the new season they have because the story just got way too bonkers. But he played, I think dad of one of the main characters and he like delivers lines and chews up scenes so fantastically and i think he does so uh, as the king here but i agree like he's so steeped in makeup you cannot tell who this guy is except through his voice right but once you like i don't know if you ever pause an amazon show and they tell you like who all the people are on there yeah Mm -hmm. then you can then you can see it's just coming to me off the top of my head Obviously, using my very strong memory, that actor's name is Peter Mullen, 
most people probably know him as like the bad guy in season two of Ozarks. Maybe he's even season one. I don't remember. But I actually, where my brain goes is he is Sid, the cop in the Clive Owen movie where there are no more children being born. And that movie is called The Children of Men. He's like the guy that gets them into the, he's the cop that gets them into the camp. Um, Anyways, that's where, that's where my mind goes. But love um, that guy though. Peter Mullen. Fantastic. He does a great job. Everyone does a great job in this show. No, no bad actors. No bad actors. I don't care for Theo. (laughs) I don't care for Job. (laughs) I don't care for Job. Uh, Before we jump to the next scene, I do like the the way that um, Peter Mullen here kind of tests his son, where he kind of like tells him, like, "Hey, I feel like something else is kind of going on," and talks about intuition, like, "What are you feeling?" So he allows Duran to make this decision, like, "Hey, I feel that something's going on, and I probably should be going to Linden." Because initially, Duran kind of like asks, like, hey, what should I do? So I like how the, the dad kind of allowed him to intuit this as well and ultimately make this decision. Sure. Yeah. No. This is the same type of test, like, when you're married, your spouse is like, hey, I'm hungry for something. Are you hungry for the same thing? And I'm like, bourbon? And that person is typically <laughs> like, no, pizza. Or maybe a Subway sandwich from Subway, which we are not sponsored by. Nor are we sponsored by bourbon. Man, if we were sponsored by bourbon. Um, That's the end game, man. This podcast would be eight hours long. It'd just be me (laughs) tasting it and being like, delicious! Pour another. All right, anyways. Hey, we're almost done. Let's focus, Julian. All right. We're in the Southlands. Uh, Aaron Deere is talking to Bronwyn and he's like, listen, I got a message for you. And he says, uh, Adar said that the humans in this area need to swear allegiance to him or you're all going to be killed. And then we cut to Theo. He's like sitting on the floor and that old man that is always yelling at Bronwyn is like, hey, I know that you have the hilt that was under my barn. (laughs) You're stealing my magazines, you filthy kids. He says, when he goes, have you ever heard of Sauron? Like, the way he says it is like when someone knocks on your door and you open it and you think it's Amazon and instead it's someone with a couple of pamphlets and they're like, hi, have you ever heard of Sauron? Uh, That's just the way he delivered that. And we find that a Starfall, which was the stranger... From the other episode, mm-hmm. going through the sky is a sign of Sauron. So then I was like, "Wait, so is that Sauron?" Now I'm, now I'm confused. But essentially, what we're setting up here is Adar knows the hilt is in the tower and he's headed for it. But also, this old man is maybe a uh, apostle of Sauron. So he's just going door to door, being like, "Hey, <laughs> um, Sauron loves you." Well, the idea is these men from the Southlands are the ones that yeah. sided with Morgoth, yes. right? So, like, the idea that, that there's still some, like, ago, right? sympathizers. Okay. You think I don't know, still... but you still have people. Yeah, I think there's still, like, sympathizers, if you will, that are following this. And how this guy came across Sauron's hilt, I don't think we'll know. I don't think we need to know. But, yeah, maybe there's some 
family history of their Morgoth uh, affinity. Yeah, so, well, here's my question for you. So let's say that old man wasn't a part of it because this is like hundreds of years before. So his old man or his old man's man was like a Morgoth <laughs> dude. And so, mm-hmm. like, how do you, how do you like kindle that um, enthusiasm in your grandkid? You're like, listen, when I was a young man, Morgoth really made it good for us. Sure, we burned a lot of villages and we killed a lot of elves and we destroyed everything that's beautiful. But listen, if you get a chance when you're older, vote Morgoth. Like, what? What is he? What are they pitching to these like third generations that makes them still loyal to Morgoth? Tom, I'll give you the floor. I, explain. <laughs> I appreciate As a Morgoth head. This... Explain. <laughs> A Morgothian is what they Morgothian, call it. Morgothian, sorry. Um, I I appreciate that you think that that is not a thing, uh, but man, like there's still people flying Confederate flags, like people and young kids, unfortunately, get indoctrinated into this like hate and bigotry. That I mean, I unfortunately can see this happening. Oh man. Okay. Wow, that got real. That <laughs> got, got real. It's just true. Uh, no, it's true. You, you make a good point. You make a good point. <laughs> That was my fault. I stepped in that one. (laughs) All right. From that sadness, we go to Numenor, where Galadriel has been sent off in a tiny boat. They were like, listen, we're going to row you away in the smallest boat. You're not going to make it, and neither are these two oarsmen and the one dude running the tiller. Um, But surprise! We're going to a bigger ship. Guess what? No, they weren't. They were going to sail across the sea in that small boat. You know it. I know it. (laughs) Galadriel people know it. <laughs> Galadriel at her passive aggressive send-off ceremony. Uh the queen sees <laughs> some more white petals falling. Her uh, so many petals. Complexion looks so great because she's been using that white petal <laughs> lotion and those crystals we sent her. Uh, everyone has to decide who they will be. She gives that speech, and I uh, was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna be me. And then she decides she's going to be escorting Galadriel back, and she's heading up an expeditionary force. And Elendil seems to be the dude that's leading it. So he goes out into the town Mm -hmm. square, and he's like, hey, I need volunteers. I can't tell you where we're going. I can't tell you when we'll be back. But uh, (laughs) everyone that comes with me will get... 40 acres and won't be crushed by a wave that seems to be coming. <laughs> and so Isildur and his buddies all volunteer. And everybody's just like, I will serve. I will serve. And then we get the classic you know, crowd, rubble, 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 rubble. Everybody's on board. Yeah, I didn't really understand. I guess Isildur and his dumb buddies were so influential that everyone else was like, well, if Isildur and uh, Talking Extra One and Talking Extra Two are going. We're going too. I didn't. I didn't really understand, but it does is this, what it is. Does this play? Does this play on the idea that, like, we know obviously Isildur later becomes king. Um, them prophesizing, not prophesizing, but them leaving the island here, and then the island's kind of eventual doom. Is the idea here that Isildur and Elendil? Like, this family got out, which is why they're going to be kind of the ruling family of men? I don't know. I okay. don't know, Tom. I'm sorry. I know that's my default answer, but I I don't <laughs> know. I don't think this is how it plays out in the actual lore. I mean, you could argue that if he's a petty lord, as he says in the show, and they go on this 
this, you know, excursion, if the queen doesn't survive and then he is the only royalty there, then I guess he becomes, or maybe he earns it through, you know, Mm -hmm. battles. The queen grants it to him. She goes back to Numenor and he, you know, leads the men of Numenor that have gone to Middle Earth. I don't know. That's all I can say about that. And that's all I can say about the Rings of Power is I don't know. <laughs> it's well acted. It's well shot. But I don't know. That's where I'm okay. at. Listen, I'm interested to see I where it goes. I, your honesty. Yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy the idea that uh, Galadriel, Numenor, Elendil, like I'm, I think it's cool that they're going to go to Middle Earth and fight orcs. I'm excited about that. Um, <laughs> what Arendir and uh, Bronwyn do uh, with, Adar at the tower, interested in that. Um, and that's where my interest lies. We didn't get any Nori in this episode. Did you miss Nori? Yeah, we didn't get any Nori. I think the last episode we didn't get any Durin and Elrond. So I think they're kind of like seemingly taking a story arc from each episode and kind of pushing it aside to be able to remove some of the other ones as not to bog us down with too much. But I'm assuming we'll get back to them next episode. So what I'm hearing is... You think Nori and Durin are the same person and that Elrond and the Stranger are the same person and that's why the show can't show them in the same episode in different places because they have to go from one spot to the other and change costumes. That's what I'm hearing you say. Listen, I'm not I'm not saying it, but I'm also not not saying it. Oh man. That is some good that is some good <laughs> podcasting right there. Now now my mind is abuzz with all the waves that are going to crush me in my sleep. Thank you for joining us. If you have questions, comments, you can email us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. You can reach us on the other ones, Tom. I'll toss it to you because I can never remember what they are. And you run them because if I ran them, they would be used for evil. <laughs> Uh, yeah, find us on Twitter at Team Binge or on Instagram at Team Binge Podcast. Uh, we'll post pictures and just kind of have some fun and, and appreciate those that have been reaching out. Uh, again, we we very much love to do this, just if nothing else, to hang out and, and talk through some <laughs> shows that we love or sometimes love to hate. Um, but always love it when we get engagement from, from you guys um, and appreciate you guys uh, enjoying it. Sure. So Julian, I know we've uh, we've we've started establishing last episode. We're going to kind of touch on some um, either new pop culture or media or something else that you're digesting that you want to kind of plug or kind of uh, talk about. So hit me, man. What do you got this week? Sure. Okay, I'm going to mention two things. I'm going to mention one: um, True Lies, the Schwarzenegger movie uh, with Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> is available, I believe, on Hulu. Um, my wife and I watched that movie. That movie's crazy. Um, I think it's, it's James Cameron who directs it and maybe even wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but so. it is, I mean, there is a horse riding through a lobby chasing a terrorist and you know, who's riding that horse? Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, uh, it is a fun movie to watch and just reflect on. Uh, where the world has come in terms of geopolitical uh, situations. The second thing I wanted to mention was, uh, and I think I talked about this on another one, is not the old, but the new remake of Battlestar Galactica is a lot of fun to watch Mm. if you can somehow find that 
Uh, I don't know that it's streaming anywhere. Maybe on like sci-fi streaming. <laughs> Maybe on Tubi. I don't know. Any one of those weird ones, it's probably <laughs> streaming. But uh, that one's uh, that one's fun. What about you, Tom? What do you? What other than Moonfall? You can't do Moonfall again. You got to pick <laughs> yeah, something else. Okay, I'll scrap that then. All right. Um, me and my wife watched a movie. I guess I'll stay in like the office realm. Uh, there's a new movie released by B.J. Novak, where he stars, writes, directs. He does like the whole shebang. Uh, called Vengeance. Uh, it's very weird, interesting, funny it's it the the premise is that like he's a writer out of new york and he's trying to kind of solve this murder of a, a young like a girl that apparently he dated or hooked up with um who lives in texas so the kind of the general plot is he then goes to texas tries to solve this this murder and records like a podcast about it uh, so obviously it has ties with the podcast that i kind of found funny ties with like serial kind of podcast with one of those early podcasts that really like launched the idea of people doing podcasts on their own and now Every board guy uh, with their aging friend just, you know, pops on and releases their own podcast. Uh, but very fun. Uh, it's a short movie, so it's it's uh, short and sweet. I thought it had potentially some more to say um, about kind of how we deal with um, social media and some of those kind of bits. But very fun, and I would I would recommend giving it a go. What's it movie called? called? Vengeance. 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 Okay. I had heard of this because... I think BJ Novak was on Conan's podcast and he talked about mm-hmm. it. So, um, no, we'll give it a go. We appreciate all of you joining us. We will be back next week for episode five of the Rings of Power. And as we do every episode, we turn to Tom in order to give us the title of that episode because that is something that every week he's done and so tom what is episode five of the rings of power part of the lord of the rings lore what is it called Tom? and so much so much stalling i appreciate that and the answer you're going to get for the stalling is totally worth it because the the answer to this question episode five clearly is we didn't start the fire no it's always been burning since the world's been turning Oh, man. Oh, it was worth it. I've been Julian. (laughs) I've been Tom. Till next (laughs) week, everybody. Take care. Oh, man.